There is treasure in and beyond your pain. What you seek is seeking you, beloved. To feel, transmute and alchemize pain is your power. And this power is within you right now. If you'll only give yourself permission to access it. To tune in to the truth of who you are. To allow the healing of your soul. Self-healer. Rise. Hi beloveds and welcome back to Beautifully Empowered. Welcome if this is your first time. Today I'm excited that I have my sister joined with me to really go into racism and how we can um, heal racism and going into specific areas of racism, white privilege, um, the concept the concept of racism, uh, white fragility, um, all the kind of things that are actually inbuilt into the systematic oppression of racism. And we did record this uh, before uh, George Floyd's murder, so we don't mention that in this podcast. But I really would ask you um, to really tune into this because healing racism is deep, deep work. And it's a part of the bigger, broader, broader healing of shadow work and actually being able to attain world, world peace and unity. It is something that we cannot afford to bypass. And so without further ado, <laughs> I'm going to get straight into it. Introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Michelle. Yes, and that's it. We're sisters. <laughs> yes, we are sisters. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. So, <laughs> so today we are talking about something that I really think is really important for us to talk about. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. And it is the topic of racism. Now, before you decide to turn off this podcast, stay with us because you really want it. You really need yeah. to. So, I'm going to dive right in with the first question. Rochelle, what is your idea or concept on race? The nasty word. Ooh. I try my absolute best to avoid it because it's just a completely made-up idea used to divide and conquer and basically to put us against each other, make us feel that other people are aliens and to be feared. <sighs> yeah. Absolutely. And it's a certain, and really the word race is a social construct, isn't it? As Definitely. if it can be proven by science, can't be proven by science. It's like, no, it's a social construct. So, so, so just stick with us because now that you know that it's a social construct, beloved, now we can dive <laughs> even deeper. <laughs> what is racism, Rochelle? Ugh. It's basically just the idea that a certain group of people are inferior to you and you'll it's the discrimination and the prejudice that drives your shitty behavior towards a group of people and I think people always assume that to be racist is judging a person for the skin color but there's so many facets to racism absolutely um, like I an think... English person could be racist to a Polish person which is my best friend's experience definitely definitely it's not just about the skin colour it's your accent it's where you're from it's it's everything and I think people stick to much to the old definition of racism which is prejudice against someone of a 
a different race to you when right it's really not the case yeah absolutely what is white supremacy like I'm, I'm really diving in with the big questions because I really want my beloveds to really get a grasp of uh the depth of this conversation to see where mm. we're going to go with it so what is white yeah. supremacy when I think of white supremacy I see it as a big cloud that comes <laughs> to the world um, and it's raining on white people and allowing them to grow whilst kind of thunderstorming on any other ethnicity group and kind of them stunting their growth so I guess it's mm. basically how how the white group will say have conquered the world and they hold mm -hmm. most of the power and because of they hold a lot of the power it's created the notion that white is the superior race mm. and it's impacted how people behave how people talk about one another how who's in power and who's not in power um yeah and again if we didn't have the concept the social construct of race we wouldn't even have white supremacy absolutely not so that's why it's always even just so important to understand understand and understand what really is race am mm -hmm. i any different to you because our skin color is different really exactly exactly why do you think it's so important for us to talk about racism because i think everybody can acknowledge that it is a problem no matter what country you're from racism is a problem and how can we ever change that if we're not willing to talk about it openly and honestly and get right, right down to the minute details? It, it's not going to happen. It's always going to stay there. It's mm. why these days people say, oh, I can't believe someone's being shot for being black in the 21st century. Hello, if you're not actually doing any work to change that, then of course that's still going to happen. Exactly. I love that you've said that because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of beings are still holding that um, conditioning from their own parents who have got conditioning yeah. from their parents. And unless we do the inner work as a collective, this isn't a black mm -hmm. and white thing, it's a collective of our own prejudices with everything within our own childhood conditioning, then there is no unity. We can talk about unity and sit on the 5D clouds and meditate and pretend that we're all one. But realistically, if you've not done that deep shadow inner work, you're just bypassing a very, very, very big problem, yeah, which does actually show up, because obviously you know that a lot of my audience is spiritual, it does show up within the the, the, the spiritual community as well as a bypassing. So it's like, oh, we don't talk about racism here because you know we're just meditating and it doesn't exist here. No, you're bypassing. Bullshit. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about it. Definitely. Why do Definitely. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Why do you think um and if, I just want to just speak to my beloveds a minute. If you feel at any point in this podcast you feel uncomfortable with what we're talking about, if it triggers you in any way, still listen because there's a reason why it triggers you. There's a reason why you're tuned into this podcast and I would like you to continue listening because ultimately, unless we do this deep shadow work, we're not going to see this unity that we're all talking about. So why do you think, Rochelle, that white people or certain white people are uncomfortable talking about race because again I'm not you know grouping everybody in there. yeah I think I think there's a few reasons for that I think the main one is because nobody wants to admit that they are contributing to another person's suffering um so mm -hmm. if you're not able to openly talk about racism then you are contributing not talking about it 
is massively contributing to it. Um, and obviously nobody wants to admit that. And I also think that it doesn't shock people anymore. I think because mm. in the media, in certain media outlets, we they kind of they make jokes about it. Um, even black comedians they make jokes about it. So people think, oh, it's to be accepted. I don't need to speak about that. Um, and if you're not like you were saying, if you're not done your own inner work, it's going to com- com- immediately trigger you. You're going to think, oh, that is too uncomfortable. I'm staying away from that. And mm. especially if you're from a privileged position racism is going to benefit you white supremacy is going to benefit you so then for you to then talk about it it's dismantling the very thing that keeps you up exactly exactly because you can't have somebody that is superior or dominating over another without this other group of being believing in the first place that they're even underneath you or not even tapping into their own sovereignty no i'm not underneath you you're not above me we're the exact you know we're the same yeah you know we're the same and it is what it is and in my experience and i'd love to talk for you to talk about your experience in this as well i've had um and obviously you're mixed race and again even saying that mixed race just really triggers me actually we come (laughs) from a we come from a mixed family right so i'm just putting that out there um in my experience i've had a few white people silence me in my experience of oppression and other black individuals by saying oh well black people are racist too do you think that black people can be racist Rochelle? I don't think black people can be racist to white people there's no there's no power behind it they might throw their comment out and they might have biases towards white people they might have the old oh you're honky this or whatever and they might have mm-hmm. a certain amount of resentment towards white people because of our history but there's no power behind it no white people are not getting jobs because of the skin colour no white person is being underpaid because of the skin colour there's nothing there's no substance to it mm-hmm. well, I suppose what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. um, so but, you think that so, go ahead no go ahead no no go ahead so it's the power structures within society yes. that are oppressive toward black people in a way that white people would never experience that 100 percent. and i know a lot of white people say oh well i went to such an african country and they were racist towards me no they weren't because even in a lot of african countries the people with the most power is still white white people still own the majority of the land it's it's not the same yeah okay they might have they might have discriminated against you but it's not racism exactly and I was just going to come to that is that in my opinion I do think that black people can discriminate be prejudiced but I don't think that black people can be racist toward white people because what is racism it includes those power structures in society that are oppressing and and pushing down those that are not white you know racism includes all of that so it's not just about I don't like you because of your skin colour. No, it's what I can do to you in your life because I don't like your skin colour. That is exactly it. Like, if you were to... If a black person went over to a, a white person, oh, you're a honky. Nothing will come of that ever. It was, it's mm. just a flippant remark. And in fact, I don't think many white people do even take it seriously because of white supremacy. Mm. Ingrained in everybody's brains that white is the superior race. They'll just think, mm, you don't know what you're talking about. But if you flip it mm. and a white person calls a black person a nigger, 
they're getting it from all areas of the of the life and it has such a huge impact and mm. you know like you just said white people do not get that same effect from it mm. and how how is racism affecting black people today i know that that is an obvious obviously it's obvious but yeah. in you know for the sake of this podcast how is racism still affecting black people today i mean i use the, I, I say how is it still just how is it affecting black people today literally in all areas of life like that's exactly what structural racism is it's mm-hmm. not getting a job because your hair's too curly your skin's too black your nose is too wide it's people not wanting to date you because you're not light enough mm-hmm. nose is too wide hair is too frizzy it's being afraid to walk down the street because the policeman's probably going to pull you over at some point just for being especially in we definitely have a racist problem in britain but oh for sure the, the examples of america recently um running down the street you can't even do that because you shot white people don't have that same that same fear mm. um and it's you constantly got a target on your back Mm. it's it's um it's definitely something that i think that is really important to talk about because i just think people just think that it's black people being in this victim consciousness or this place of woe is me and it's just like no you don't understand how your subconscious idea of race is affecting our experience as black people as a collective and I think that, especially because we come from a mixed family, I think it's really important because I know that I've experienced, because obviously you're on my dad's side of the family, and, yes. but on my mother's side of the family, I've experienced even white supremacy and kind of even that in my own family. So yeah. it's just like, it's not like I'm looking out into the world and going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing, it's, it's first of all happens in their home. Yeah, you know? So absolutely. do you want to share anything about your experiences well, with I that? Think- I think people assume that just the presence and existence of mixed race people means that racism isn't a thing anymore because um, wow. black people and white people can love, but that's really not the case, especially like we, we both experience racism within our own families. Mm. Like my, the, my mum's side of the family, so they're white and English, so much racism, it in there like i've got members of the family part of the edl all love you kit um and and they're basically teaching you your blackness is disgusting and is to be ashamed of and that's what a lot of that's what a lot of people are growing up with not even just within the families it's in the families it's in the schools it's in the peer groups it's in the media um and when you're internalizing all of that anguish it's really damaging really mm. damaging mm. what's your perspective on intersectionality so yeah basically what we've just been saying there's lots of aspects to racism so for example a black woman pressed for being black and pressed for being a woman when you're of a when you're a person of colour, you're more likely to be of a lower socioeconomic background because of racism. And that, again, is oppressive towards you. So it, I suppose it's how different facets of 
oppressive factors are mm. pulled together to kind of push you out. Mm. And if you and if and again, it would be that same way if you're black and gay, black yeah. and trans, black and disabled. It's kind of like it's a whole. I'm not trying to kind of ignore anybody. I'm just saying it's a different level of oppression. Yeah, it kind of builds up. Doesn't builds it? up. Yeah. Um, can you talk about history in how that relates to how black people have been taken out of history books? Because I know you know a lot about this. I've learned a lot about about it from you, so from what you post and stuff. So, literally everything that we are taught in schools, every part of history is only about white success, and the only bit of black history we have ever taught is about slavery. They. In, I know certainly my school and everyone that's spoken to, it's the same in most schools. They say, okay, so black people were slaves. We freed you. Then you all came over during Windrush and destroyed the economy, took our jobs, stole our women, uh, and now you owe us. And when you're being taught that in schools, it's, it's encouraging white supremacy because all you're teaching about black people is that the lowly and they were born as slaves and white people freed you, you didn't free yourselves. <clears throat> but it's really not true. We have so much success. And I feel like when you learn the truth about what's really happened in history, it just really open, opens your eyes a lot. Mm. A lot. Like even the, them saying, um, okay, so black people were slaves. And then... The people and starting with that, sta- starting with that, black people were slaves not they were educated free beings who were taken from their land into slavery black people are slaves that alone start before there ever and i've worked in schools as well many 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 schools and i was just repulsed by what was coming from the teacher at the front and i was just like literally individually talking to these children and just like encouraging them to really look deeper Mm. into this because it's just like and the funny thing is is that they teach black history in that sense that kind of ideological perspective or brainwashing could be called because mm-hmm. not really a perspective yeah and um, from year seven which is interesting so as soon as they reach high school they want to just drill it into them you know but sorry yeah. i took your thoughts away then Go no ahead. no no it's it's uh no you're right they never start before slavery um they never go okay well what what was civilization in Africa then? Who were the kings? Who were the queens? Who were the chiefs? And I remember asking a history teacher once, I said, okay, well, were there, were there no queens, kings and queens there? Why, why did no one put a stop to slavery? He's like, no. I said, oh. So there was only kings and queens in, in Western countries. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And that, even that in itself made me think, right, okay, so they are a bit backwards then. If, the, if there's no one in, in power, what? What's that? Mm. Um, so yeah, they start at slavery, and then we were taught, okay, and then the rulers of um, Britain and America decided that they didn't like slavery anymore, and they put an end to it. And that is so far removed from the truth. Mm. There were revolts. Mm. Slavery mm. wouldn't have been abolished without the revolts. It mm-hmm. wouldn't have been abolished without people, black people, black free educated people going around Britain and going around America and telling the public exactly what slavery was because mm-hmm. it was so much of it was hidden from the public like now uh, yes so people just I don't think they were really thinking much about slavery they didn't know the true horrors of it so without mm. educated 
free black men and women going around and teaching people, slavery wouldn't have been abolished. But again, they don't teach you any of this. They don't teach you about mm. the educated black people. They don't teach you about how they really persevered and put their lives on the line mm. for freedom. It's always, oh no, it was the white people who, who gave you your freedom. Not true. Do you think that white people have a responsibility to end white supremacy within themselves? Definitely. Definitely. Because I think, generally speaking, a lot of white people, if asked, are you racist? Go, no, I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. But their everyday speech and their everyday mannerisms and behaviours are the complete opposite. And they are, whether they are aware of it or not, they are contributing to Mm -hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I said earlier when people say oh we're in the 21st century and people are black people are still being slaughtered by white people but you're encouraging that if you're if you're white and you're sat with your white pair making a racist joke and you don't challenge that you encourage them to do that further if you're in work and you notice that the way you're marketing is always displaying happy white families happy white, white straight families there's never any ethnic groups in there you're contributing to that because you're push, mm-hmm. further pushing the idea that white is the norm and black is not um mm. which is why they have to all of us need to be able to recognize it and check mm. ourselves for it because we all have unconscious mm. biases absolutely it's whether we actually admit it acknowledge it yeah because that programming it's not just coming from school it's not just coming from out there it's coming from your own family yeah who they've taken our ideological belief systems and perceptions about themselves and others and they've passed that on to you which then becomes your subconscious mind and unless you actually deal with your inner self you're not even going to even acknowledge that maybe there's some white supremacy there within you and you're projecting that outward because Mm -hmm. it, it takes you it takes you truly, even even as you listen to this podcast, it takes you truly a deep self-reflection to even appreciate what we're saying, appreciate what we're talking about, so mm. that you can do that deep inner work of it's being so able important. to change it collectively. We can't just, oh, end racism today. You know, you see those little stickers all over, stop racism, end racism. No, end it within you yeah. so that the collective can heal. It's like individual work. Sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, I was just saying absolutely, like, like I said before, I grew up in a very, very racist white family and all of their I- ideas I took in within myself and I would project them outwards. So mm-hmm. I used to go around calling people packies, saying nigger. And, and to me, that packy, was I mean, I have a lot of you. Yeah, and I have a lot of people from the US, so you'd have to explain what the word packy in the UK actually uh, refers so to. It's a derogatory term. Really, it's a derogatory term against people who come from Pakistan but I think it's used for anybody, use it for anybody in, that in that kind of area because I mean how, how are you just 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 deciphering and discerning who's from Pakistan you don't have the eyes to see it. you just see specific nope. skin color and you go you're from exactly. Paki you're from Pakistan you're a Paki like you know it's like yeah exactly. um, I was called a Paki sorry, go ahead. so much I was called a Paki so much I'm I'm not from Pakistan it's just that's incredible to... incredibly ignorant that it's clear you're not from Pakistan and the thing is the first uh, what's interesting though in my experience as a child the first person to call me a racial like it was like this young boy in primary school and he called me that called me a packy mm. and 
Just anyway. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Mine was the same. I was in primary school in a, in a park. It goes, oh, heck off, you fucking packy. I was like, what, what's a packy? Mm. I even, it took me a long while to actually realise what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we all absolutely need to do the inner work because in, unless you are actually aware of who you are and your unconscious beliefs, you're never, ever going to be able to stop the racism that you're putting out there. Mm. It's just always going Absolutely. to Absolutely. And if it's... you're not aware of it, you're just going to deny it constantly and it's not helping. And that's that kind of like trigger response is that it's kind of like if somebody did ask you, are you racist? You know, somebody might just come up to you and ask you that question out of nowhere. Yeah. Not that anybody would, but if someone was to ask you that question, what would your response be? Would you be able to actually go deep within yourself and actually mm-hmm. look at yourself to actually answer that question? What do you think about Black History Month, Rashad? Cringeworthy. <laughs> it angers me that we have such, such a huge, rich history and it's set to just this tiny, tiny, tiny one month of the entire year and it's disgusting. And again, I think a lot of schools, a lot of... Um, TV programs, it always focuses on slavery and the oppression of black people instead of celebrating black success. Mm. And it should be taught, it should just be history. Black history should be taught with white history because they both go together. Mm. Mm. I love that. But yeah, you know, without black history, would it still just all be white history? So I suppose grateful in that respect, but we should be moving forward. Mm. We should be teaching teachers, people in positions of power, people who are putting the information out there. Mm-hmm. They need to be educated in it. Mm. But again, like coming back to these power structures in society, they're the kind of ones that are making the rules. They're the ones setting the school syllabus. So it's kind of like it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the people that are teaching oh. it. It's it's oh. it's. <laughs> For those listening on the podcast, her phone fell. Sorry. It's fine. I'll probably just edit that out anyway. But if I don't, never mind. Um, it, it's it's these huge power structures everywhere in society that it's like, yeah, end racism. But you'd be going against these power structures that don't want to yeah. take on this big challenge of really ending what has put them on such a high pedestal in the first place. Just like in order for racism to end, they would have to give over their illusionary power. Do they yeah. want to give over their illusionary power? No. So it has to be an internal deep shadow work that you do within yourself so that then you're projecting this unity outward and having yeah. a positive change on everybody else so yeah, yeah. what were you going to say my love i don't know um... <laughs> what were you going to say um, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no but no you're dead right um going back to people in positions of power who don't want to be putting that out there that's why doing inner work is so important because when you then become that person of power, you're not going to make the same mistakes if you are aware of how it impacts people. Mm. Um, and I love that. Take a while to get there, but mm. that's why it's so important to start talking about it now. Yeah, that we can actually start to do the work. Absolutely. And you just said that just it's like you're be- becoming what you want to see out there. Definitely. Become what you want to see out Definitely. there. Don't just be like pointing out racism in other beings what about the racism within yourself mm-hmm. you yeah. are the collective so go within and deal with what you've got to deal with and then 
project that outward. And going back to um, schools, do, do you have anything else to say about schools? I just think every single teacher should be educated in black history. And not even just black history, just... History in general? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that will help. <laughs> but they need to start educating the teachers. Because as I was saying, most people have unconscious biases, but not everybody's working through it. And we're hiring people with unconscious racist biases who are unable to, and unwilling to look at how they are behaving. And then they're, they're in charge of this little person's growth. And they can either do it wonderfully and let them become the best person or they can really damage them. And I think at the minute we're doing a lot of damage because mm-hmm. not educated enough. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. they might have a two-two degree in English language, but what about the rest of it? What about the stuff that's important? Mm. Absolutely. My my next question is kind of like, I think I've already asked you this, but how can we move forward in unity over segregation? I think it just comes from what we've been saying throughout. People need mm-hmm. to do the inner work. People need mm-hmm. to be willing to acknowledge their part in racism and mm. how they are encouraging it I, I think that's the most important step because mm. it's like you said earlier it's very very easy to point out the flaws in other people and say well you're doing this and that's racist and you're doing that this because that and that's racist but like you said if you go to someone and say you're racist they just go no I'm not whereas if it's coming from you you think okay I do have these biases this is where it's come from and this is how I'm projecting it. Let me slowly work through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think eventually we'll start to make a change. Mm-hmm. We won't be, we'll be making more of a conscious decision then. Okay, so instead of putting white girls with slick back hair in every media outlet, I'm going to make that conscious decision to put in someone from a different ethnic background will make the conscious decision to put in somebody who's not heterosexual. And that's mm-hmm. the only way we're going to be, be able to make a change. Mm. I love that. It's, it's deep, deep, deep inner work and personal accountability mm-hmm. to stop mm-hmm. projecting this, this false idea of what the world should be. But yet you're not willing to do the inner work. You are the world. You are <laughs> part of the world. Definitely. Definitely. Amen. <laughs> halo over my head oh man you are the world Night, this woman uh, <sighs> yeah, I think it's just it's difficult for people to do because it's hard on acknowledging that you have been part of the problem it's really really hard and but it's necessary it's necessary mm. to go through that bullshit to finally grow and enlighten people Exactly. And it's also like as, as black people and as mixed people as well, we also have to do our own inner work of actually healing from the oppression. Definitely. And I don't really Definitely. think that people realise that. It's yeah, oh my god, it's so damaging. Like I said earlier, I grew up in such a racist environment and internalized all of it and I became a bitch from it and I was I hated myself, I hated everybody else. And unless you do the work and you go through those really, really shitty emotions you're going to be like that forever. You're going to be spouting out hatred forever, mm. spreading that negativity. Mm, absolutely. And, and and just adding to more dysfunction and more chaos. Yes. And 
you're adding to white supremacy you're adding to the oppression and the suppression of other beings why would you want to Mm -hmm. add to that you know it's it's not and and for people that just think that being silent about something is is no that's almost like a weapon really your silence is a weapon because you're allowing it to continue i see people do it all the time when i feel like people are willing to talk about racism when it's trending but when it's not trending, that very, very silence about it. So it's only your voice and no one's hearing it and nothing mm. is changing. Mm. I, I think the silence that. is definitely felt. Let's be silent, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be silent. <laughs> is there anything that you want to add? Because I think we've touched on some really deep things there. But is there anything you specifically... Is there anything that's on your heart just to say about racism in general? Maybe that I've not asked you or that I've not mentioned or... Because yeah, we, could, we could talk about this forever, obviously, but... Oh, I could talk all day. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> which I'm sure many people know and get bored of, but... Um, and that's the thing as well. I think a lot of people, when you speak about it, because I think it's downplayed in the media and people make so many jokes about it, we're not taking it seriously and they're getting bored. Mm. And people... Mm. Obviously, I talk about them a lot on my stories and on Instagram and stuff like that. And people just unfollow or they'll just skip past because mm. they don't want to know. Because it's not mm. affecting them. So they think, mm. Mm, not that important. But yeah. it is. And I think more people should be speaking about it very, very honestly. Mm. Um, I mean, if I, can, if I can acknowledge that I've been... Um, I've been discriminatory towards other people, then everybody else should be able to same and I also just want to just say this is me being very open and honest here that growing up in a Christian family I've never been homophobic in the sense of this true definition of the word is having a fear of gay people Mm -hmm. I've always had gay friends lesbian friends I've always because I I consider myself more non-binary femme so I'm kind of very very fluid but Mm -hmm. growing up in a Christian family that taught me that two males, two men together was a sin and two women together was a sin. I had to, at some point in my own, I want to call it journey, in my own experience as I was healing from my own childhood trauma, acknowledge what had been passed down to me subconsciously. So if I can do that and admit to myself as a human being that I had not a problem with being friends with gay people, but I had a problem because of my own conditioning of the idea of a man and a, a man together and a woman and a woman together and that's doing my own work so if i can do that then anybody can do anything you can heal the world you, you know? really can and it's that like you said earlier it starts with you you have mm. to work you have to be honest you have to look at your family for what they truly are and sometimes yeah. it's not what you want to see it's not it's, it's oh my food. god god well, have we not come from a lot of trauma my love <laughs> Oh my goodness, yes, and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Barely scratched the surface. Um, but it is what it is, and I think it's most families, but again, not many people are willing to talk about it because I feel mm. we put such a huge emphasis on sticking by your family through thick and thin, but sometimes mm. your family are the worst influences in your life. Um, Say that again. Sometimes your family... Oh, I thought you didn't hear me. <laughs> I definitely did um, hear you. I want my beloveds to hear it again for those that may be going through any sort of any sort of dysfunction or any kind of abuse or yeah. 
they are usually they are the worst ones because they're the ones who were teaching you your morals and how you see the world and mm. sometimes the worst ones like you were saying then about homophobia I was raised to literally be scared of gay people I remember I used to do a lot of music and your mum's not religious is she no she's not religious at all but she so you've had you've had homophobia from a non-religious perspective yeah. and I've had it from mm. a religious perspective mm. and it's always the oh it's not natural I'm sorry but if it exists there are animals that people. are asexual Exactly, we're not what the, the only species to engage in uh, homosexual activities. Um, <laughs> and like I, like obviously you know I like men and women, but sister, speak. How old? I think I must have been about twenty-four <laughs> before I acknowledged it and admitted it. How crazy mm-hmm. is that? But again, Same. how most people are living because we mm. are unwilling to look at ourselves and look at those around us and see how mm. it's how it's impacting us mm. and we, we could even go deeper into the lgbtq and plus rights and mm-hmm. you know because i think like for a lot of in, in my experience for a lot of people that are very you know in my experience with men anyway a lot of men that are in the toxic masculinity that don't have that perspective that you know they are male and female and they've got both energies within them. I see that those those type of beings are the ones that are more homophobic because yeah. maybe they're suppressing something within themselves. Yeah, you know? to look at. Mm. It's deep. It is deep. There are many, many layers to it. Mm. I'm extremely fluid. Yeah. I'm attracted to all sorts. Yeah, same. <laughs> Literally anything. I'm just like, listen... <laughs> I would love to be. Listen, I'm going to go deep now. I would love to be with a woman with a cock. Oh just my be great. god! Same. I'm really into trans. I'm not. I'm not attracted to on a physical level transvestites, but I am attracted to transgender individuals that are. So, for example, a very beautiful woman that looks like a woman, but she is a cock. She's got a cock, clearly. Mm. You know, and obviously in my language, and both yeah, and feminine is merging together, and I guess that's yeah. the most physical farm isn't it yeah and the other way around i suppose the other way around i suppose but i i like cock a lot Mm. so (laughs) i would prefer it you know but obviously (laughs) in my language i may come across as quite ignorant but you know i'm not it's just gonna come out the way it comes out you know that that i think sexuality is very fluid and i think that that people are that you know a lot of people are suppressing stuff you know and maybe have not healed aspects of trauma from the childhood that's added to that you know mental view of you know because I know that, that that for me I know what I'm attracted to and for me it's it's more to do with female energy because I know that I am not I know this I don't know how this is going to come across but I'm not attracted physically to a butch lesbian woman mm-hmm. but I might be attracted to her energy so yeah. for me it's like I see things as like physically attractive I might be attracted to your energy so I'm very attracted to what's feminine mm-hmm. so a man that is he doesn't have to look feminine but his energy is quite feminine you know and a woman yeah. that's very in her feminine so I know that maybe that's because I've got a lot of masculine energy with me I don't know that I'm very attracted to feminine so yeah this is yeah. just going to be like a one hell of a trip of a podcast I was just going to say we're really like <laughs> but on um I think it's good. On the topic of LGBTQI plus, 
Yeah, we can go. We can go into that if you want. They they merge too. You know, black trans people are the most likely to be murdered, but we're not. We're not having many. No one talks about that though. And like we've said, it's intersectionality. Um, but I feel like the only all we see of the LGBTQIA plus community is usually white, right. and it's usually sticking to what's deemed as socially acceptable at that mm. time. So if it's a gay couple, it's always very, very pretty, very toned and fitting mm. all the all the beauty norms. When in real life, that is not. That's not. That doesn't represent everybody. That doesn't, no. Which and if we're able, exactly. no, and if we're able to just see the world for for what it is and its beauty, rather than how it's portrayed to us through the media and through, excuse me, a burp. Then through the schooling system, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's deep, it's deep. But I mean, you know, my dad, our dad, wasn't homophobic in the sense that he was he didn't like gay people. It was just from that religious perspective. Yeah. Theoretically, what we had mm-hmm. to agree with was that it wasn't natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like it's crazy because you have to you have to deal with that s- somewhere, or you're just going to continue to have these oh, yeah. ideological, you know, perceptions about beings and yeah. Mm. I don't know. We've spoken about it so much. We have. Ahead, but unless no, I'm just sat here eating my chickpeas. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, unless I need you do protein. Your own research will say all you're going to believe is what you are told. You need to rise above that and challenge it, analyze it. Where is this coming from? Is that actually true? What are the opposite opinions to that so that you can decide for yourself what you believe in instead of the objective? Yeah, instead of just taking one person's view of the world and deciding, okay, well, that's the lens I'm going to see the world through. You need to be able to change. Heal the world. <laughs> Make it a better place. I literally recorded that track the other day, you know. Did you? <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> Michael Jackson in my head. Oh, Michael Jackson's music. Okay. R.I.P. You know. Well, is there anything else you want to say? I think we, I think, like, I'm just trying to, like, I could talk forever and just trying to, like, make sure we just keep bits up there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like we've briefly touched upon most Mm -hmm. key bits. And I guess the takeaway message is, you know, look at yourself, look at what you're putting out there every day. Even if it seems tiny, like, oh, I made a racist joke, it's okay because it's a joke. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, where, where's that joke coming from? And don't be around me because you, you get a piece of my mind if you do. Exactly. <laughs> you will even, get a piece of my mind, mate. Even that in itself. So, as a black woman, if you were to challenge somebody on a on a racist joke, you'd be deemed as being angry. Exactly. Oh, it's another angry black woman. But if it was white, you just think, oh, okay. The way it wouldn't be seen as angry. Mm. It's a very, very unfair world that we live in. But the world really is just our perception of it. Mm. Check you out, sat there drinking wine. It's not wine, is it? It's elderberry. (laughs) Elderberry? Elderberry, is there a such thing as elderberry? I have no idea. It sounds right, so we'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, heal the world. It's like, you are the world, you know? You're bringing your consciousness into this collective. 
it's not oh they're doing that and we're doing that it's like yeah what are you doing exactly deal with you that's that's the most important thing because you can have such an influence on people um by just being that yes by just being that Mm. be what's that quote was it by gandhi be the change you want to see in the world world. is that gandhi i don't know Let's just pretend so. it is for now. We'll say it is. Be the change you see in the world. I love that. Oh, Rochelle, thank you. Well, I mean, we're going to continue chatting for a bit, but just Good. like, thank you so much for being on my podcast. My sister in. Sister well. of me and sister, for those that don't understand our language. <laughs> it's so oh, much fun. There's so much fun. I know. Fun there well, really is. Hopefully we covered enough. yeah I think so just I think as well like with this type of um topic because I've not really spoken much about racism on the podcast I think it's just causing people to really go in with go in with what we've said Mm. and to really ask themselves you know if any of this kind of triggers them or if there's something that they could do in their own life to kind of help heal the collective heal yourself by healing that racism and white supremacy within yourself and you'll heal the world because you'll be such a, a a light in other people's lives they'll just see a change in you you know no longer partake in people's racist conversations and jokes it's just like yeah you see it being um glorified in south park and in family guy and it's just like that's not acceptable no it's just like it's not acceptable you know so yeah peace sister in peace namaste <laughs> Hi, beloveds, and thank you so much for listening if you've listened to the whole thing. Obviously, listen to the whole thing if you've gotten this far. So, yes, thank you very much. So, I just want to give a few book recommendations that I know my sister um, recommends. Um, If you want to go deeper into looking into black history, if you want to go deeper into doing the anti-racist work, the first and most important book would be Black and British, A Forgotten History by David Alusuga. Um, white Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. That's by Robin D'Angelo. Black Britain, a fo- fo- wow, a photographic. <laughs> Why could I not say that then? Oh my goodness. A photographic history. Every time I see the word photographic, it's almost like I want to say photograph. Anyway, a photographic history of Paul Gilroy. So let me say that again. Black Britain, a photographic history by Paul Gilroy. <laughs> and that by the way is a really really beautifully uh printed book with lots of photos it's really really beautiful this book's the only book i've read on the list it's why i'm no longer talking to white people about race by rennie edo lodge good immigrant by nikesh shukla that's kind of as far as my sister's concerned quite a funny book um the next one how to be anti-racist by ibram x kendi um and again it's not enough to be not racist it's being anti-racist which means that it would you would have to hold that personal accountability to actually doing the anti-racist work and the last one is Windrush Betrayal Exposing the Hostile Environment Amelia Gentleman and I'll put all the links in the show notes down below and again I just want to say thank you for those that have actually listened and with an, with an open heart because you know we can talk about unity and world healing we can want to see world peace but what would that really mean to see world peace out there it would really mean that we would really need to go in and do that shadow work and I've really personally not heard anyone 
um, before I did this podcast, talk about racism being a part of shadow work. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's the way I see it um, as an empath is that intuitively racism is not something that can be bypassed in, in, in shadow work. It's not something that can be bypassed in actually making this world a better and a safer place. And again, it would mean really um, for Caucasian people, white people to really go within themselves and see where they, where you, if you are white, if you are Caucasian listening, where you have contributed to my suffering and to um, suffering of black people. So I just want to get, again, thank you for listening. And for those that have so many people have inboxed me on Instagram about books to read, what can they do to get educated? Because the truth is, is that it's not your fault that you haven't been educated. It's a systematic, it's a systematic oppression. So it does start in schools. Again, systematic oppression is, it's, it's not only oppressing black people, it's oppressing you as well, because you're being kept from the truth, right? And so when we're, when we're divided, when there's that division, it's not only black people that suffer, it's white people that suffer as well, because there is power in unity, there's power in numbers, there's, a, there's power in when we realise that there is no this race, that race, there's only one race, beloveds, and that's the human race, you know, we, we are different, and more so it's more culture than anything, but coming back again to doing that deep inner work and being able to go, you know what, no, it's not right for somebody to say that about black people, it's not right to have this systematic systematic oppression that is really oppressing black people. It's really oppressed me in my life as well. And so I just want to say again, thank you for those that have contacted me on Instagram uh, with your questions, uh, with your support. It is like, that is the shadow work. And a lot of the people that have contacted me are white individuals, Caucasian individuals that have contacted me and said, look, what books can you recommend to me? I want to know more. Um, and that, to me, is the inner work. It's not even necessarily going out there and protesting. Because protesting only just so much, especially if you're amongst all the chaos. Because, again, you're going to have to have huge discernment if you're doing the protests about Black Lives Matter being actually infiltrated by the billionaire George Soros. So it's, you know, it, there's, there's, there's that infiltration, that hijacking of actually destroying Black Lives Matters to then cause even more division because then it's almost like it tarnishes what should have been an organic movement and now it's become this inorganic movement. And the people in it, I really do believe they have genuine intentions, of course they do, but they do just obviously clearly don't realise that um, who's funding um, Black Lives Matters, basically. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so again, just I want to say thank you again 